Bible talks about when the seed gets into good soil, that it'll produce some 30, some 60, and some 100. And so we're shooting for the 100-fold return, amen? So the Word of God is always described as a seed, and we're about to plant some seed, amen? Y'all ready for some seed? Hallelujah. You know, sometimes uh, uh, we read the Scriptures and we think, well, you know, I don't know about all that. But let me tell you something. The Word of God is always here to correct us and to better our lives, amen? And so we've been talking about the book of Ephesians for the last few Wednesday nights, and and I got through chapter 1 after about three services. And uh, so we're going into chapter 2. And so uh, it's, it's really good. I got, I, I was, I read it today and, and read it several, uh, been reading it uh, several times. And, and uh, it's really good. How many knows the Apostle Paul? He wrote the epistles. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, actually. And God gave him a revelation. Jesus gave him a revelation of who we are now. He gave him a revelation of who we were and gave him a revelation of who we are. And so in his epistles, he'll always relate to who we were and then tell us who we are. See, so many people always relate to who they were and they never get into who they are. And I'm telling you, it's to your benefit to find out who you are and you got to understand what the Word says and read them epistles. We may not read understand everything to the T, but I tell you what, God's going to give us an understanding in this house tonight and He's going to open the eyes of our understanding. And uh, we uh, said this, uh, you, you're to pray the Ephesians prayer, the one that starts at verse 15 or chapter 1, and you're to pray it over your life, that the eyes of your understanding are being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of thy calling, what the inheritance... And all the things that Paul said he prayed for the Ephesus church, you're to pray for you. And uh, we got now where we just started tonight uh, declaring at the end of our prayer meeting the Ephesians prayer over this county and this region that the eyes of Grosbeck, the eyes of Limestone County would be opened. And so, uh, you know, uh, get that prayer. and just if, if nothing else, just read it. I always put my name in there where it says you. And I declare it over myself and whoever, whoever else I'm praying it for, I put their name in there. I plug that in there. And so uh, that's a prayer that Brother Hagan said. If you would pray that over yourself every day for six months, you'd be surprised at how that Word of God will open up to you. And so... Uh, uh, people who go around saying all the time, I just don't understand the Word of God. Well, first of all, you need to change that and quit saying you can't understand it. You need to start saying, I do receive wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of His Word. And so many people, they'll talk all the problems and expect the answers. Thank you for your enthusiasm in this church tonight. Huh? It, it's it's kind of like Charles Capps said when he spoke. How many's there, how many's ever read Charles Capps' book, God's Creative Power Will Work for You? And it's just a little old bitty book. You can read it in 10 minutes. And it's so powerful. But I've said this many times, but he said God spoke to him one time. He said this. He said, I told my people they can have what they say, but they're saying what they have. And I'm telling you, if you let your feelings dictate to you, if you let uh, the circumstances dictate to you, you'll only talk the problem instead of the solution. The Word of God is your solution. And I'm telling you, if you're always speaking the problem, you're never going to see the solution. And so you've got to learn to talk right. And this ain't my message, but praise God. I'm telling you, I talk a lot about our mouths. And you know, I'm, 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 I'll just be honest with you. I don't just, I just don't let my tongue go loose. I've learned that I can have what I say and the power of life and death and the power of my tongue and I'm snared by the words of my mouth. And Jesus said, you can have what you say according to Mark 11, 24. And 23, rather. And I'm telling you, you got to watch what comes out of your mouth. Guard your mouth. Amen. 
You know, somebody else might not put their hand over your mouth, but you ought to. Huh? Anyway, let's, let's go into Ephesians. I, I know it's already good. Sometimes we just need to encourage ourselves to watch ourselves, watch our mouth. We need to help each other out in, in a kind way. It's not good to say, shut up. No, you, the best thing is to say, do you really want that? You know, I, I've learned to say this. If somebody starts saying, saying stuff, I say, well, whatever you say. Whatever you say, you know what they'll do? They'll perk up saying, what? What did I just say? I always thought, wouldn't it be nice if we had something hanging around our neck that at the end of the day we could find out what we said? We'd probably be surprised at what all come up. What happened to you, Holly? You didn't have that on you when you left today. You got in that obstacle course? Well, he definitely beat you. That obstacle course kind of took a lot of people out, didn't it? <laughs> them older folk getting in there with them little kids. I didn't get in it. I didn't want to embarrass them by beating them. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, let's go there. I'm going to be in the Amplified Bible, so I'll know what you're reading in because it's, a amplified, it's the woman's Bible. It's got more words. I heard that said, so I, I don't know. Verse 1, and you, that could mean you, right? I always, anytime I say you, I'm figuring he's talking to me. What about you? And you, he made alive when you were dead or slain by your trespasses and sins. You know, I I think that right there, a lot of, we, can you imagine, I, you know, I, I watch, see commercials all the time, The Walking Dead. You know, y'all see that on there. I don't walk, watch it by no means. I don't watch it at all. And, uh, but I'm thinking, you know, we walk around every day and we see Walking Dead people all the time. Spiritually. They're separated from God. That's what that means. And so there's a lot of people walking out there that's spiritually dead. And he talks it right here. You, he made alive who were dead or slain by their trespasses and sins. You know, sin literally separated man from God. Isn't that right? You went all the way back to Genesis, you'll find out that when they disobeyed God and did what He told them not to do, the Bible said they died. They were separated God. Spiritually, they died. They separated from God. But Paul's writing this. He said, He made us alive who were dead or slain by our trespasses and sins. And so through that process of, uh, 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 the pro- anyway, I want to go to Romans real quick. Let's go there real quick. I'm coming back there. Keep your finger where you're at. Go to Romans 5. I know sometimes we don't understand some of these things, but Paul, Paul really made it pretty plain and clear in the Word of God when he was talking about, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And some people have a hard time understanding what that actually means. And in Romans chapter 5, actually Paul explains it through, through revelation of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 12, and I'm going to be in the New King James, uh, uh, Danielle, I'm Kathy. She was up there a while ago. I didn't even look up. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death 
through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all sin. How many men did it spread to? And when it talks about men, it's talking about the whole entire human race. Women and uh, men alike. And it said death spread to all men because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace, the unmerited favor of God and the gift by the unmerited favor of, of the man, one man Jesus, Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from the offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, talking about Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Who, when, when will we be made righteous? We'll be made righteous when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord's. Because there's not anybody that has never accepted Jesus. The ones that have not accepted Jesus Christ, that's who he's talking about who were dead and who are dead. But praise God, we're alive in Christ because he made us that way through Christ. Amen. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we understand that through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but through one man's righteous act, many were made righteous. And so we are righteous if you know Jesus Christ. You know, I'm a, I'm a stickler to press on that issue. Because I'm telling if I do a funeral, and if you've ever been to any of our funerals, I'm going to stress the fact of how you go to heaven. And it's through Jesus Christ and through His blood and you accepting that sacrifice. And because uh, we're li- we live in a day right now that everybody goes to heaven. Y'all know that? Any, anybody, time somebody passes away, they're, well, they're in a better place. Well, how do, how do, there's only one way they're in a better place. I hate to harp on this, but you know, we, people, people need to know that there's a way to heaven. Amen. Because until we meet Jesus Christ, the Bible says we're dead in our trespasses and our sins, but he made us alive. And he, listen, this letter was written to who? Christians. He started off to the saints and to the faithful in Christ. And so that's who this letter is written to. Verse two says, in which at one time, we're back in the Amplified. We're back in Ephesians in the Amplified. Chapter two, verse two. In which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and fashion of this world. You were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. 
Now, he's telling us what we were. Y'all getting that? He's telling us what we were. And he also tells us who we are. And so he says they're under the sway and under the control of demon. In other words, they're the puppet of the devil. Because puppets are only, they only have the life that that puppeteer puts in it. And it's all under complete control. And there's so many people under the control of, of the demon, the devil. And, uh, uh, and he's really not, he's really not insinuating that being the Christians. He's insinuating it being the unbelievers. Or he's saying, not insinuating, he's saying that. So he's a, here's what I want you to know. If you're a born again Christian, there's no way the devil ought to have access to you. But I tell you what, he tries every way he can. He hates to give up. I said, he hates to give up. I mean, you know, if, Talking about adoption, the Bible talks about us being a, uh, adopted into the family of God. Did you know an adopted child has more rights than a, 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 the, the child that was born to that couple? Anybody know that? Huh? And you know, I, I've used this before, and I know I know Stacy's not in here right now, but but most everybody knows this because I think I've ministered this before in the church and talked about it. Well, Stacy was two years old when me and Linda got married. And so after she was uh, four or five years old, three or four, something like that, well, I adopted her. And her name became, she took on my name. And, of course, she was my daughter. I consider her my daughter when we married. And uh, she's just like my kid. And, I mean, she is my daughter. I mean, she's, uh, you know, and, and she, she, she'll, she don't re- relate to anybody else other than me as her, as her dad. And so the thing about it is, after a period of time, I think when she turned 16 years old, uh, sitting in our home, we got a phone call. And uh, just so happened, I think I answered the phone. And it just so happened to be her, her biological dad. After 16 years, having nothing to do with her for 16 years, all of a sudden the phone calls and I answer it. And uh, I, I think I let her talk to him. I think I did. I'm pretty sure that time I did. And it kind of upset her and all because, you know, she hadn't, I would say this if she was sitting in here and she, she might have answered it. But anyway, I don't know how it all worked, but I wound up talking to him. And, uh, but anyway, he called back again and then I answered the phone and then I talked to him. And here's the, was the conversation was kind of like this. He said this to me. Well, she's my daughter. I said, no, sir. She's my daughter. She bears my name. He gave her up. He had no rights to her no more. And so I stuck in and I told him, don't ever call this house again. Don't ever call the house again. And she was perfectly fine with it. See, I, I learned something from that. You can be adopted by God, but the devil will try to still lay claims to your life. He'll still try to lay claims to your life. He'll try to make you think you're still connected to him and you're not connected to him. By golly, you are a child of almighty God. And I'm telling you, she's no longer connected to him. She's connected to me as a dad. And praise God, I do everything I can to stand up and make sure that she's kept safe and provided for, or had clothes, had everything that she needed throughout her whole childhood life. And we still help her out things and stuff and still feed her. And you say, they're supposed to don't feed her. Well, we, every time we take them out, we, well, they pay for food one time, but sometimes, but, but sometimes. <laughs> But the thing about it is, is, is uh, the th- they do, they, I always get to it before they do. And I always tell them I want to pay for it before they do. So basically it's not because they don't try. I just don't let them most of the time. 
But the thing about it is, I found out something that, you know, I've been adopted into the family of God and I'm no longer a puppeteer of the, I'm no longer a puppet of the devil. And listen to me, uh, you got to realize the devil has no right to you. And I don't have to stand up and tell the devil for you. You can stand up and tell the devil for you. I don't belong to you no more. I, you know what irritates me when I hear people saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking any, but when they call him Mr. Devil. Mr. is, a, a, I think, a, a respectful word. Amen? I won't give him no respect to call him Mr. Devil. He is not a mister to me. In fact, he's, a, he's so, so, anyway. He is a defeated foe. Man, if the church would learn that. Get a hold of that. Verse 3 says, among these, uh, excuse, I, I kind of took, a, I guess it wasn't a rabbit trail. It kind of connects with all this. Verse 3 said, among these, we as well as you once lived. Among these, we as well as you once lived. This is what it says, we once lived that way. We once lived that way. When you're born again, that's supposed to change. Somebody help me. I said, that's supposed to change. He said, we, myself included, used to live that way Paul was writing and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. In other words, we were dominated and controlled by the lust of our flesh. Our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature. Obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of His indignation like the rest of mankind, but God. But God. Somebody shout, but God. Hallelujah. There's something happened in God. Amen. Praise God. We're no, we're no longer under the sway and the power and the influences of darkness, nor of our imaginings and our flesh. We have authority and control over that. Amen. You know, let me say this because I hear this all the time. In fact, somebody just come in my office and they saying this and I, you know, as I'm not their pastor and they, they go to another church and, and they come in and ask me if we'd pray for a certain person and pray for them, which we had been praying for them and all. And they came in and listen, I'm not going to sit there and try to explain something to somebody that I don't have time to sit there and run through it with them. And because they'll say, pray for it. And then I'll say, we'll pray and stuff like this. And they, here's, here's what a lot of people say. They'll say, well, you know, we know God's in control. That is not true. If God was in control of everything, there's a mess out there. Listen to me. God is not in control of everything. If you'll read the Bible, He gave us the authority. He relinquished that authority and gave it all to us. Huh? And when I, when I said something, here's what they say, here's what they said to me. Well, God's going to do what He's going to do. Then why pray? Why pray? If God's going to do what He's going to do, why do we waste our time praying? But God says you need to pray in order to move the hand of God and invite Him into the situation so God can actually do something. Listen, if somebody tells you God's in control, you say, well, He's got it in a mess. Because He's not in control of everything. He's not in authority over everything. In fact, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, I'm going to send you with my authority and I'm going to delegate that authority to you and whatever you bind on earth can be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth can be loosed in heaven. I'm giving you the privilege and the right to do that. 
Hallelujah. The problem is sometimes we're loosing what we ought to be binding. We're binding what we ought to be loosening. Huh? Glory to God. Y'all all right tonight. But God, so rich in His... So rich... Let me start over. But God, so rich is He in mercy. Thank God for mercy. Man, if it wasn't for mercy, we'd all be consumed already. His mercies are new every single morning. Amen? Just say it with me. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. That's the reason we're still here. Because of His great mercy wherewith He he has shown forth for us. Because of in order to satisfy the great... I love this. Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us. Whoo! He has an intense love for you and I. And because of His mercy, he, he's, he's able to show that love to us because, listen to me, if we would have got what was just, just to us, we'd already all be consumed. We don't ever pray for justice. We pray for mercy. Amen? Because I tell you what, justice sometimes would not go our right way, right? Praise God, He's merciful. Amen? Thank God he was revealing all these things to Paul, wrote him in a letter to the saints and said, here, I want them to know this. Verse 5 says, And when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same life with which He quickened Him, for it is by grace, God's unmerited favor, His favor and mercy which you did not deserve, but you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Listen, that when He said we're partakers of Christ's salvation, we're partakers of uh, sozo, which is uh, uh, which is the the uh, uh, healing protection preservation, uh, wholeness, and all things like that. That word, and so we're a part of all that, and He did all that for us, amen? amen. Praise God that we have the life of God in us, amen? amen. Say, I've got life in me. Now, if, you are, if you're not born again, we need to get that in you. Amen. Verse 6 says, He raised us up together with Him and made us sit down together giving us joint seating with Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. In the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. We are seated together. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm just seated with Christ in heavenly places, praise God? Well, you know, that's a position beside God and with God. We have a position with God even as Jesus does, right? And it's also a place of authority. It's also a place of authority. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, the limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor, in his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. Thank God for his unlimited, surpassing grace. Unmerited favor. You say, what does that mean? That means we did not merit it. We didn't deserve it, but yet He did it anyway. 
Praise God. We're to thank God for grace all the time. Amen. I love it when somebody names their kid Grace, like Sydney Grace. That's her middle name, Grace, unmerited favor. Favor of God, the goodness of God. For by, for it is by, for it is by, verse 8, for it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but is, is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any should boast. It is the result of what any, it is, it is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself in or take glory to himself. In other words, we, we can't, you can't work your way to heaven. You, you can't, you can't do enough good deeds to get to heaven. It's by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, the Bible says it's a gift from God. The faith that you have is a gift God put on the inside of you to get you to, uh, to enable you to believe in God. Hallelujah. So praise God. I can't say, well, look what I did to get saved. You didn't do nothing other than confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And I guess that is something. But in other words, he didn't say you didn't go uh, do some deed, good deed to somebody. You didn't go tell somebody, uh, help somebody pay a bill or something like that to get you to heaven. That ain't what he said. He said you did it by the, because of the grace and the faith to believe God for what he did. And therefore, you were born again. You were saved. Verse 10. For we are God's... I like, y'all are to like this verse. If you ain't got it highlighted, it ought to be highlighted. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Listen. You are God's handiwork. One translation says God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. You know, you are to, you are to love yourself. Can I say that to you? You're to love yourself. People will say, well, I'll, I'm not supposed to love myself. Why not? The Bible says a man can't love his wife unless he loves himself. Huh? And I'm telling you, you can't love unless you love yourself. It's hard to love somebody else when you don't even like yourself. And there's so many people who've got such a bad uh, 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 self-esteem, or are they so th- don't they don't think highly of the, they don't think they're pretty enough, good enough, smart enough, and stuff like that. When I'm telling you what, you're God's workmanship. Amen. God likes you the way He made you. Amen. I mean, He don't uh, well the way He made you, He likes you. But God says, well, God loves you just like you are. Let me tell you something. He loves you, but He didn't. Uh, I, I, I'd say this wrong, probably if I did. Listen to me. God loves you. We know God loves you, but the way you were, he had to change because he couldn't have the way you were. He couldn't fellowship with you, but the way you are now in Christ, he can fellowship with you. Amen. Listen to me. If, if anybody's out here, I don't know if you're, and you have a low self-esteem of yourself, the devil says you're just ugly. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants to have nothing to do with you and say, shut up, devil. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm God's workmanship, created under good works. The Bible says I was fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Come on now. Say this with me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Say it again. I'm Isn't that amazing? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're beautiful to God. Huh? We shouldn't give a rip what anybody else thinks. And fix yourself up for your spouse or something like that. But you know, I mean, we, people get so caught up in, 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 in all that stuff. And the devil plays a trick on people. Huh? Come on now. There's too many people just out there thinking, well, you know, nobody cares about me. I got news for you. The, the one, the one that cares about you the most is the one that's most important to you. And that's God. Amen. Anyway, I won't charge y'all for that information. <laughs> that we should walk in them. I like this part. I don't know if I finished it. I guess I did. Living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. If you're not living the good life, something's wrong. Because God wants you to live the good life. The good life and it's getting better still. We used to sing, did it? Wasn't that song we used to sing like that? The good life and it's getting better. We need to pull that out of the archives. Blow the dust off of them. Some of y'all probably ain't even heard that song. The good life and it's getting better still. Amen. I'm just have to quit in the middle of this chapter. Verse 11 says, therefore remember, therefore remember, Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles or heathens, actually non-Jews, in the flesh, called uncircumcision by those who are called call themselves circumcision. It's itself a mere mark in the flesh made by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate, uh, separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all part of Him, utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation and strangers with no share in the sacred compacts of the messianic promise with no knowledge of or right in God's agreements or his covenants. And you had no hope, no promise. You were in the world without God. Now he's talking about us. He said at one point we had no right to none of the covenants of God. But now... I like this verse 13, but now, since you're in Christ, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were so far away through and by in the blood of Christ have been brought near, have been brought near to Christ, near to God, for He is Himself our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. He has made us both Jew and Gentile. He has made both Jew and Gentile one body and has broken down, destroyed, abolished the hostile uh, the abolish the hostile dividing wall between us by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the enmity, the hostility or the hatred caused by the law with its decrees and ordinances which he annulled, that he from the two might create in himself one new man, one new quality of humanity out of the two, so making peace. And he designed to reconcile to God both Jew and Gentile united in a single body by means of his cross, thereby killing the mutual enmity and bringing the feud to an end. You know, the Jews and Gentiles did not get along. They didn't like the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't like the Jews. So he sent Paul to minister to the uh, 
uh, uh, the Gentiles. And here's what it all amounts to is this. I know there's some people trying to be Jews. They get saved and want to be Jews. Listen to me. The Bible didn't say, I'm going to take you and make a Jew out of you. He said, I'm going to cause you to be one with Christ Jesus. Here's what he said. He said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, but a new creation. See, a Jew that believes in Jesus Christ and a Gentile that believes in Jesus Christ are one in Christ. They're one. So he said, I'm not wanting to a divided. I don't want a division. I want them to be one in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, you know, you're not a Jew. I'm not a Jew, but I'm a born again believer, which I'm a, of the household of God. That means I'm, I'm a, 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 a new creation in Christ and every Jew's a new creation. So what we are is the body of Christ. Amen. Well, y'all remember where I left off tonight. I'm going to leave on the 17th verse. So we'll come back next. Uh, we're just going to keep going through the book of Ephesians till we get to the end. And so, uh, ever how many verses I feel like I can get through while we're here, we're, go- we're going to do that. Amen. Praise God. Well, Father, we love you. And we thank you that we can come into the house of God and, and be stirred up to know who we are and the goodness of our God and how much you love and how much you care about us. So, Father, tonight I thank you that you're instilling things in us. God's stirring us up to know that we're special to you. We're your handiwork. You're, we're your masterpiece. And, God, you're for us. You're not against us. And, God, you want us to live the good life. There's a good life to be lived, and we're going to live it in Jesus' name. God, you're going to help us. Holy Ghost, you're going to lead us. You're going to guide us, and you're going to direct us. We thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you're doing. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace. We love you so much, and we appreciate you so much for all that you did, all that you've done, and all that you're about to do. Thank you for your grace, Father God. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands in this blessing. Father, we thank you. We thank you for our new lives. We thank you that we're not what we once were. But God, we are who you said we were. We're new creations in you. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we can live a victorious life, a triumphant life, all because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, has done. We appreciate you so much for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody say, How many's born again? Raise your hand. So everybody in this house is going to heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We might as well just start be living a good life. Amen.